Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, find out which episodes are coming up, and get the latest blog and advice by going to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Welcome to today's episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm Clarissa Christensen, and we're going to be talking about a subject that is incredibly important. It's getting some traction in the social media and menopause conversation, and that is osteoporosis. And I'm absolutely delighted to have somebody who is an expert joining me today, and particularly talking about osteoporosis from an integrative medicine perspective, and that is Dr. John Newstadt. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share what I've learned. That's so wonderful. For you, my listeners, let me introduce John a little bit more to you. He is the founder and president of Nutritional Biochemistry, Inc., NBI, and we're going to learn a lot more about that in today's conversation. He is a naturopathic uh, medical doctor. He's also a clinician, and he is a researcher. He's published hundreds of medical articles and a number of books. And why we're so excited to have him on the show today is because he has a number one Amazon bestseller in the field of osteoporosis, and it is called Fracture Proof Your Bones, a comprehensive guide to osteoporosis. I am very excited. So welcome, Dr. Newstead, to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Let's maybe begin at the beginning about osteoporosis because my listeners may know about it. And sadly, like myself, you may have a a friend or a relative that is struggling with this disease, maybe feeling that they have no hope. What is osteoporosis in, in layman's terms? Osteoporosis is a weakening of the bones that predisposes somebody to fractures. Yeah. So, and that is tends to happen, doesn't it, in women who are midlife and older? Of course, it can happen to men as well, but it's particularly skewed female, isn't it? 80% of osteoporosis cases are in women, and the majority of those are in postmenopausal women. For the 10 years um, around perimenopause and for the 10 years after, that's the fastest rate of bone loss occurs during that time. And so what we're seeing is an incredible increase in the number of women affected by this because globally, the population is getting older. There are now more people over the age of 65 on the planet than there are younger than five. So it is, it's crucial, not just for somebody's individual health, but for our communities, for the cost of healthcare, for the devastating impact that it has on individuals and families, that people understand 
their options, what they can do proactively, and learn how to ask better questions so they can get better information to make better choices that will reduce their risk for fractures, which ultimately is the most dangerous thing about this disease. Most people tend to focus just on a bone density test, Mm. but that only predicts 44% of women who will break a bone and only 21% of men. Fractures are the most dangerous thing about osteoporosis and fracture risk depends on factors largely other than bone density. It's only one piece of a much larger puzzle. If you break a bone with osteoporosis, specifically a hip, if you fracture a hip with osteoporosis, there's up to almost a 40% chance that you're going to be dead within a year. And if you happen to survive, those who survive, half of them never regain their pre-fracture, pain-free life, level of mobility, the, the ability to enjoy life like they did before. And so everything that we should ask and talk about should be focused on reducing fractures, not just on increasing bone density. Yeah, I think that's that's really important because I think when I look at the social media conversation that is very running hot in the menopause uh, aspects, it's always this thing about you know lots of weightlifting and 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 these things about building up this bone density, but actually balance and falling over becomes something doesn't it as we get old a lot of women have quite poor balance and it's easy I mean I live where it's cold and icy as I think you probably do in the winter too and it doesn't take much to slip fall and break as you say a small bone or as more likely a hip bone and I say to my husband you know that would be that's straight to hospital. And then what would happen after that? Right. If, if you well, 90, 95% of fractures happen because somebody falls. So anything that we can do to reduce the risk of falling reduces the risk of fall-related injuries, which includes fractures. So strength exercise, balance exercise. And it doesn't have to be just going to the gym. If that's what somebody is passionate about and enjoys doing then fantastic. But one thing that I like to talk to people about and educate them about is that there are so many other things that, that you can do no matter, no matter your, your interest, even while brushing your teeth, you can increase your balance with an exercise I love to teach called the stork exercise. Yeah. I can imagine that that's about standing on one leg. Exactly. yeah, yeah and, and standing in a great, yeah, and that's I know we can do that in our kitchens, as you said, brushing our teeth, yep. and and a lot of these, I think, being able to get up and down off the floor as well as we see that those mobile exercises. Are very the, the other reason too, why people why people fall and become weaker is because um, they're not doing resistance exercise and eating enough protein. Now weights are resistant exercise. But so is just using your your body weight. Like you said, getting off the floor from a seated position. There are different exercises that people can do just using their own body weight. But but crucial to all of that is making sure you're getting enough protein. And so that's a, a thing that I find often that people aren't getting enough, and that's important for building muscle. Yes, yes. And I think a lot of um, women are cutting back on protein. 
you know, we have and and that we don't eat enough proteins if we're going to low low fat low protein type of foods then we're not going to be eating that and i think that's you know an important point that i've heard but i haven't heard it directly linked to you're building up our body and our and osteoporosis proofing ourselves shall we say. so there's there's a condition called osteosarcopenia and that's the combination of osteoporosis and sarcopenia and sarcopenia is muscle wasting or muscle loss when those two things are combined we're losing weight or, or the risk for fracture goes up by 80 percent compared to people who don't have that at all so the recommendations for getting enough protein, I talk about this in my book, there's a whole chapter on, on diet and how people can calculate and figure out if they're getting enough protein, but about 1.3 to 1.4 grams of protein per kilogram body weight per day is a healthy recommendation, which is above, I'm in, I'm in the USA, which is higher than the US recommended daily allowance. It's recommended by, by the government. So people are, even if they're just following the guidelines, they're still not getting enough. As we get older, we actually need more protein. Yes. Yes. And I, and I think having done a macros testing thing that I did, I realized that I was myself below that because I wasn't having protein in every meal. Is that something, John, that you would be Absolutely. Advocating. Yeah. Protein yeah. with every meal. No, no doubt about it. Um, there's a European actual, there's a European society uh, looking that looked at the data with osteoporosis and fractures that recommends um, resistance training, but not only that consuming 20 to 25 grams of protein in close proximity to that, to that exercise. Uh, so, so this is the kind of workout and then have whatever protein right, doesn't have to be the protein shake. I mean, it can be whatever. Correct. For about the, the hour after a workout is your muscles are primed to use and assimilate and take up more protein. They're ready for it because they've been worked out. So eating protein around that time is a good suggestion. And I think that's maybe a suggestion that many of us don't know or or and or don't enact, and that's probably why gyms sell things like protein bars because there's some understanding to that. But I, I bet a lot of people don't don't do that. They go and work out, and then either just go and have a normal cereal or whatever it is you have at right. breakfast. So those are two really important points there around protein and resistance training. You founded NBI. Tell me a little bit about the driving force that you've had around this business. So NBI stands for Nutritional Biochemistry Incorporated. And that's one of my passions is nutritional biochemistry, how the body uses nutrients to optimize its health and to function as, as well as we, we can. When I was in, had my clinical practice and was working in, it was in Montana at the time, I was working with a lot of nutritional medicine with, with my patients. And what I found as I was looking at the research, looking at the clinical trials on nutrients, is that there were a lack of existing products on the market that contain the dose 
or the combination of nutrients shown in clinical trials to work. And of course, I want to make sure that I'm recommending things that are supported by clinical trials and the best data that are actually going to work and give results. Mm -hmm. And because of that, because that, that didn't exist in so, with so many products, I started my dietary supplement company so I could create the products based on the clinical trials and the basic research for my patients and, and beyond. And it's just grown from there. That was in 2006. Uh, since then, we've shipped products into 15 countries to people in 15 countries around the world. Uh, we're, we're distributed uh, to the largest distributor to healthcare providers in, in the U.S. and have a strong online uh, presence as well and continue uh, to innovate because there are just so many gaps out there uh, in the market that aren't meeting the nutritional needs of, of consumers. Yes. And so osteoporosis fits into that. Is that a specific category within MBI? So bone support is a specific category. It was one of the very first formulas that I created was OsteoK because I was seeing uh, patients that had reduced bone mineral density that had been diagnosed with osteoporosis and their bone density numbers were, were going up. And so I was happy. I thought I was doing a, a good job. This is before I created OsteoK. My mother-in-law had osteoporosis and, and still does. And she was taking Fosamax, the oral bisphosphonate medication Fosamax. And her physician was happy because her bone density was going up and she was happy and everybody thought they were protected. And then she fell and broke her hip. And I thought to myself, what, what, what is going on? So I started looking closer and closer and deep, going deeper into the research and discovered that statistic, that fact that I mentioned before, that a bone density test only predicts 44% of women who will fracture. In fact, the North American Menopause Society has the published position statement, as do other organizations who have looked at the data. They have correctly concluded that fracture risk depends on factors largely other than bone density. And yet, conventionally, the conversation focuses almost exclusively on just improving bone density, improving that number on a test instead of looking more holistically at what the research shows, what we can do to counsel patients and work with them and make recommendations to reduce their fracture risk as much as possible. And so when I was looking at the nutrients, I discovered a specific form of vitamin K2 called MK4 that has been shown to uh, promote healthy bone density in clinical trials. There are over 7,000 volunteers that have, have gone through 28 clinical trials. Seven of those studies have looked at fractures as the marker, as the, as the variable for indicating bone strength. That is the ultimate indicator of bone strength, not a bone density. And what the research shows that MK4, 45 milligrams per day, can promote healthy bone density. But more importantly, it maintains strong bones as indicated by more than 70% fewer fractures in the clinical trial volunteers, which is incredible, which is incredible. Yeah. And yes. so I created that because it didn't exist. The, the, the dose 45 milligrams per day with calcium and vitamin D. So it can be a complete bone health supplement. And one of the challenges people have out there and as consumers is, is they are being marketed 
they're they're being marketed products and and told that it, it can promote or, or or sustain healthy bone density or they hear that magnesium is necessary or boron yeah. is necessary yes. and i like to tr- to to educate people the most important question to ask is has it been shown to maintain bone strength as indicated by reduced fractures in clinical trials and only mm-hmm. the mk4 the vitamin D and the calcium have been shown to do that. Now I love magnesium, don't get me wrong, but magnesium has never been shown to reduce fractures, nor as boron. And I think those uh, magnesium, for example, is great as a multiple vitamin or even better to get it from food. Uh, but in terms of a bone health su- supplement that is focused as, as, as precisely as possible on, on improving and maintaining bone strength, it's that MK4, vitamin D, and calcium combination that is most supported by the research. I think that that was just a fantastic message for the listeners because magnesium, that's great. I mean, it has wonderful other things around sleep and a whole host of things, mm-hmm. but that seems to be constantly in the consciousness as if that was the thing. And, and I think you just busted that myth really, really well in terms of bone strength mm-hmm. and calcium and vitamin D, because there's also a lot of conversation around vitamin D, isn't there? That um, people saying it's not. I've seen people saying it's not necessary. I have heard recommendations that you only need a small amount of it. Um, but in terms of osteoporosis, it seems to be a very important it is important um, and i and i and i recommend people get their vitamin d level tested because what the research show is when you get to in the united states we we measure vitamin d in the units nanograms per milliliter in europe it's uh, i believe it's millimoles per liter but at 30 to 44 nanograms per milliliter that is uh, been associated with the uh, about a 22% reduction in falls and fractures. Wow. Right. Now, interestingly, when that number is even is lower, you know, 9, 10, 12, 15 nanograms per milliliter, you actually see the bone density goes up, but you you don't reduce fractures. It's not associated with a reduction in fractures, which goes back to the story of a bone density is an incomplete picture an incomplete test that doesn't predict fractures very well. You need to get that vitamin D higher up to that 30 to 44 nanograms per milliliter range. And I believe in millimoles, it's 75 to 110 millimoles per liter, if I'm correct. Yes. Yes. Um, And higher than that, then you get into more of the immune boosting and immune supportive effects of the vitamin D recommendations around 50 to 60 nanograms per milliliter. Yeah. Yeah. So we really need to do that. And that can be quite hard content to get just from diet. And if you live where I live, you know, <laughs> now we've got what a couple of hours of sunlight towards right. the winter, even light. Uh, so if you live in the Northern hemisphere, particularly, we aren't able to get that consistent sunlight that's correct. Producing vitamin D consistently through the year. So supplementation is very important. Correct. And and you're putting it together in a calcium concert. Is there a reason that they come together rather than people maybe hearing this say, well, I take calcium or I eat dairy sure, sure. and then I've got vitamin D? 
So the reason why I have them all together is, is for convenience and ease of use. And it's, it's, if it's one bottle, and that was the other thing that I was looking at with, with my patients was for other, other situ other health issues I was helping them with, you know, I was recommending two, three, four different products. Cause I had to, you know, piece it all together with different products to get them to the dose and combination they needed with this. It's convenient. It's, it's in one, one bottle. You can take that with you wherever you go. There are two different formulations of it. Um, one is just has more calcium for those who need more calcium as a dietary supplement. And the other has less calcium for people who need less as a dietary supplement, which is a lot of people. The average American diet uh, for women provides about 800 milligrams of calcium per day. So for most people, that 400 milligrams per day that's in the OsteoK minis formula is sufficient to get them in, into that healthy range recommended by in the USRDA. Plus both yeah. have the 2000 IUs of vitamin D3 per day and the 45 milligrams of the MK4, which is the only form of vitamin K, by the way, that is recommended, uh, has an endorsement by the Health Ministry of Japan uh, for bone health and because it's been so well studied. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I mean, one of the questions is that... Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 5.50% APY on an 8-month CD special or 5.00% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. You're working in this field, and, and much of what you said makes such so, just common sense, let alone clinically proven evidence. Why are people's doctors still not recommending a more integrative approach that involves the supplementation, the resistance training, mm -hmm. and, and the like? Why is that not happening? Great question. There's actually a study that came out recently out of, I believe it was Sweden that looked at that, and I believe it's the same in, in the US as well. And what they discovered was doctors aren't having those, those conversations for, for a few reasons. The first is it's a complicated topic and they're confused. They're not clear on what they should do. You know, even with the medications, it's, it's complicated and they're recommending these medications and they do all the FDA, US FDA approved osteoporosis medications will, will boost and improve bone density. But if you've never, if you have postmenopausal osteoporosis and you've never, if you never had a fracture before, only one of them actually has been shown to prevent both vertebral and hip fractures. And that's the intravenous bisphosphonate Zometa. Most people are getting the oral bisphosphonates like Fosamax or Prolia. Those have not been shown to prevent primary vertebral, that is a first vertebral and hip fracture. If you've already had one, then they are better at preventing those. But even that level of knowledge about the medications, that, that nuanced approach, is very confusing. There isn't a specialist in the medical field that specializes in just osteoporosis. It tends to be general practice providers who are the ones to screen and recommend screening. And by the way, most people who are eligible for screening are not even getting screened, which is unfortunate to begin with. 
with a bone density test, despite its limitations, a bone density test is still an important test. But then you get into areas of a conversation that they are, are not educated in, in having. And that is the counseling around diet. What is the most, what is the research shown has been the most effective diet at reducing fracture risk and reducing osteoporosis risk? The answer is it's the Mediterranean style diet. They are not yeah. well-educated or knowledgeable and to give specific counseling or recommendations for exercise, except go exercise. However, if you have osteoporosis and you're not exercising correctly, as I discuss in the book, it can actually increase your risk for fractures. Yeah. They're not, and then then you have the whole issue of time. Typically in a conventional healthcare system, the appointments are relatively short and there's pressure to see a volume of patients. You have to see a certain number of patients within a day. And those these types of conversations, these nuanced in-depth conversations take time. They take more time than is typically allotted in a conventional, at least in the US, mm -hmm. conventional uh, appointment, which is maybe 15 or 20 minutes long. So for those reasons, people are not getting the service that frankly they need and deserve from conventional healthcare providers. And it's important to seek out resources and allies uh, with friends and healthcare providers who do integrative medicine to, to help navigate that. And that's one of the um, things I hope my, one of the roles that I hope my book fills for people, because in there I have chapters on medication, diet, exercise, dietary supplements, other holistic things that people should be concerned about, including making sure their, their home is fracture-proofed and as safe as can be, evaluating medications that create osteoporosis that, that many doctors aren't even aware of. They're prescribing medications that create osteoporosis. And then how to talk to their doctors, what questions to ask their doctors, and how to create a holistic, step-by-step -step holistic plan for themselves in these take-action sections at the end of chapters. Yeah, it really is this complete 360 approach that is required. And I think you mentioned there are other medications. So it's just the other day I was talking about things like acid reflux medication, mm -hmm. which is massive and their potential link to osteoporosis, which is why I went down a holistic route when I had those yep. issues, because I thought, well, I think this is as a risk factor of osteoporosis here. It is, and it's not a potential risk. It is an, a, it is an actual risk. We now know that uh, people taking the proton pump inhibitors uh, four years continuously have up to 60% uh, increased risk of hip fracture. And it even starts within year one, the increased risk. Uh, people, 50% of the acid blocking medications are prescribed for only one indication, which is acid reflux. They were never approved for long-term use, and yet people are taking them for years and years. Yeah. Uh, the first study that looked at the, that made the connection between those acid blockers and fractures was in 2006, and the FDA actually came out with a warning in 2010 about that. People who take them for acid reflux actually have a 350% greater risk of fractures compared to people who are taking them for other indications as well. So they definitely, it, it is a big issue mm -hmm. and, and 
too many people are taking them as well as the antidepressants like the uh, Prozac, Lexapro, those that artificially boost serotonin, those destroy bone and increase fracture risk as well. Wow. And you just think of how many millions of people around the world are consuming those kinds of medication without fully understanding the risk of osteoporosis. And they also tend to be people who are older. So menopausal women, postmenopausal women, as well as as well as men, are more likely to be on these medications or self-medicating because some of them are over the counter. Correct. Yep. Yeah, that's that's huge. So one question I have for you is if people were to follow protocols in your book, could the risk of osteoporosis be reversed, John? So you definitely can. There are natural ways and integrative ways to reverse osteoporosis. And let me be clear, when somebody's talking about reversing osteoporosis, they are, they are talking about increasing bone density, right? In terms of the di- yeah. diagnosis, there are definitely ways to do that. But beyond that, there are ways to strengthen bone beyond just bone density by, by strengthening other aspects of bone. So the reason why a bone density test is a poor predictor of fractures is because the bone is not just minerals. A bone density test only measures the minerals in bone. Minerals are what give bone its hardness. But there are over 200 proteins in bone as well. And the collagen specifically in protein is what gives, or in bone, is what gives bone its quality or its ultimate strength. It's flexible. And so yeah. when you fall, when the collagen is healthy, when you have enough, the impact of that fall is dispersed over a larger area. The bone can absorb it and deform a little bit, again, the impact and go back into shape and not, not break. And so looking at bone as an actual holistic tissue and ways to promote bone health as a tissue but then also ways, you know, through diet, through exercise, through lifestyle that absolutely can strengthen, strengthen bones, but then also reducing your risk for fractures by reducing just the risk for falling alone is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So as you said, standing on one leg, building balance, building core strength, which of course is what we see in things like Pilates, yoga, mm-hmm. Qigong that I teach, a lot of that is 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 balancing and, and that core strength so that you're less likely to tip over. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that is there's some big findings there. So if you you sum you summed it up really, it's diet, it's protein and and it's supplementation it's resistance and building up your balance. It is medication if necessary. Absolutely, yep. It, and and it can be other factors. Um, stress can be a factor as stress well. Is stress is a factor, absolutely. Yeah, people who are under high amounts of stress, even when their cortisol level, which is a stress hormone, is technically in the normal range, if it's in the high end of normal, that's been associated with a faster rate of bone loss. So stress is important. So that includes making sure you're getting enough sleep because insomnia, not getting enough sleep is a risk factor for, for osteoporosis and for falling. Um, c- connection, making sure you're connected in community is important because that also has been shown to reduce um, disability, uh, increase longevity, uh, improve recovering from a fracture if you happen, happen to have a fracture. Yeah. And so th- those are important as well. 
And even you can combine the two. You can go walking with a friend. The research has shown if you're getting an average of 7,000 to 7,500 steps a day, all-cause mortality is reduced, can be reduced up to about 30%. And that includes dying from a fracture. So you can combine you know, exercising with a friend, meals and cooking with friends. Um, and then there are suggestions in the book, you know, what supplements to take to maintain bone strength, uh, reviews of you know, different nutrients so that people can be better consumers. So they're getting their money's worth. So they're not just you know, throwing their money away and then making sure if they're recommended a medication, what questions to ask their doctors to ensure that it's the right medication and so that they can make a more informed decision about whether they want to do that or not. Yeah. Gosh, that really is so kind of in line with this whole holistic way of living, John, that is, I think the only way we can manage menopause, manage osteoporosis, our heart disease. And it follows, obviously, if we're doing some of these things or all of these things, we're going to see that flow and effect to other aspects of our health and wellness, yep. such as our hearts, our minimizing our risk of Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, yes, it's, it's far, far bigger than just yeah, All of the recommendations in terms of the healthy lifestyle, diet, exercise, all have been shown as well to reduce the risk of other chronic degenerative diseases like heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, uh, with, with the diet, especially even uh, death from cancer and breast cancer and prostate cancer risk. So yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, following this approach isn't just healthy for bones, it's healthy for your entire body. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, John, if someone's listening to this and thinking, okay, where do I start? Uh, I know that I maybe I've had a test or maybe I feel concerned that this could, could be me or I've mm. got a family member that has this. Where would they start? If you had to do the first step, what would be your recommendation for their first step? The first step I would suggest is to get my book. Because that's going to put things into, into I think, a good, a, a, a bigger context, a larger context. I think even before they do that, so let me step back. I think the first, the, the first step is to take a breath and realize this is not an emergency. I've talked to so many women over the years who are scared to death about the diagnosis, their, their recent diagnosis of osteoporosis, and they come in with their bone density test and I start talking to them about it. And they're rightly concerned. It is a serious issue. But one of the things I talk about in the book and that's important to realize is yes, it's serious, but it's not an emergency, meaning you have time to learn more, to educate yourself and put together a holistic plan that makes sense to you. And that's one of the overarching themes and points within within my book, and that I try and walk people people through. Wonderful. And on that, John, I think this is a conversation that is is obviously huge. It can be talked about, you know, written about, spoken about endlessly. But where can people firstly get hold of your book and connect with you and the work that you do? Sure. So the book is available um, on my website, nbihealth.com. 
Uh, and we've got a landing page for this podcast. There'll be a landing page for it. So it's nbihealth.com forward slash thriving. Yeah. And it's also available on Amazon uh, as a print on demand, an ebook, and an audible, uh, which I narrated myself, which was quite a fun and interesting process. If you want me in your ears, <laughs> in your brain directly. <laughs> so those are the places where you can learn more. And really, I recommend people go to my website because it's not just about the book. There are tons of resources, uh, free information on my website about how people can improve their health, not just when it comes to bone health, but other areas of, of their life as well. That's absolutely fantastic. So we will be putting that onto the show notes as well, together with the link and all that, this information, so that those of you who are listening and thinking, gosh, I need to take action, actually, I'd probably be saying, I'm sure John would agree with me, we should all be taking action in this direction uh, if we are a perimenopausal or older woman. Thank you so much, John, for coming here and sharing um, a very complicated subject in many ways in very layman's terms and understanding and for the work that you're doing to build and bring an integrative approach to this potentially very serious illness. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to, again, share what I've learned. Thank you. There we go. Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode, please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that, because it helps others to find the show. Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening and see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause.